Amigo. I'm Chiquita Banana and I've come to say Bananas have to ripen in a certain way And when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue Bananas taste the best and are the best for you You can put them in a salad You can put them in a pie Any way you want to eat them It's impossible to beat them But bananas like the climate of the very, very tropical equator So you should never put bananas in the refrigerator. To have bananas that are fully ripe, you must be absolutely sure. You take them home and let them ripen. They're in a temperature. Oh, sure, sure, sure. The roof. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Baby, hey, good evening, and welcome to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Whoa, swing! Come on in, have a seat, make yourself to home. Yeah, you too. Hello, my name is Jimmy yeah, yeah, Pop, yeah. and I'm a dumb white guy. I'm dumb not white guy. Or new, but middle school, fifth grade, like junior high. I'm just dumb. I'm a dumb white guy. Giving props to my hoe cause she flies white meat. I can take the heat cause I'm the other white meat known as Kid Sad and man, I'm hung like planet Pluto, hard to see with the Alright, time to uh, strike it up, drag it up. I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Cause I'm kind of like Han Solo, always stroking my oh. own wolf. Oh. I'm the root of all you that cookie. Yeah, but you can call me cookie. The roof, the roof. The roof is on fire. Wow. I think the roof is actually on fire here. Oh, what the fuck? Let it burn. Come on in. We don't need no water. Let it burn, baby. Sam motherfucker. Oh my god. Is that just the best? Bloodhound Gang. We keep promising we're going to play that one all the way through one night. You know, it just gets better from here. After he says yo-yo. Not a yo-yo. It's like yo-yo. Yo-yo. But he says it like ironically, you know. Yo. Yo-yo. Hey, uh, good evening and welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Just the Radio. It is uh, Thursday, April the 10th. 
the year of our Lord, uh, 2008. And you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on JR. So glad you stopped by. Such a show we have planned for you this evening featuring the recorded works of uh, such a variety of musical artists, including Dion and Cream and Harry Chapin and Loudon Wainwright and Neil Young and Daryl Purpose and King Missile and Cher and R. Dean Taylor and so much more. Uh, plus, we're playing all your favorite shit. Now's the time. Get your requests in now. Now. Send them to requests. Send them to requests at jesterradio.com. Calm down, boy. Or uh, simply stop by the Jester Radio webpage at www.jesterradio.com. Keeping in mind, as you type that in, that there are two R's in there. I'll leave it up to you to determine where they go. Somewhere near the middle. I'll give you a hint. Somewhere near the middle. And when you arrive, click on request. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air within 15 minutes, or I have my left testicle surgically removed without the benefit of anesthesia. Also, uh, we're going to take a look at what's going in the, going on in that sick fucking world of yours. Turns out fucking uh, Cheney and all his cohorts had their fingers in deep in that torture scandal. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris says, no Britney. And uh, Gates says that uh, U.S. troops won't drop to 100,000. So uh, we're going to talk about that, plus what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine. Me, I'm beginning to, you know, feel more calm, um, you know, as things come up in my life. I find that even when they're like sort of things that in the past would have, you know, made me really go into a what I like to refer to as a Schwitzenlocken or a heavy panic... Um, I'm starting to sort of be very cool about it. No, I'll take care of it. This is this, that is that. I'll, nobody's going to jail. Nobody's getting, you know, fatally wounded. Whatever happens, you know, will happen. We'll take it in stride. We'll do the best. Promote our, you know, f my, my, my best ethic and do the best I can. And that's it. And let the fucking chips fall where they may. In other words, I'm learning to say something that I believe Plato called what the fuck? And that's, you know, that's uh, something I've never been able to do. So that's good for me. So I'm sort of moving through the world in a much more mellow and zen-like state. Although I got to tell you, I still have, <laughs> still have the, I still have the, I still have that, I still, you know what I'm talking about. Do I have to say anything else? I still got it. Especially when I'm driving. And, you know, people sort of uh, take out the sickest, weirdest ass shit when they're driving. Take it from me because I've, you know, I did it for years. So now I sort of, uh, I forget where I heard that. Uh, maybe Woody Allen said, I let everybody get in front of me. Now I just let everybody get in front of me and I just sit back and chill and, uh, and then sort of enjoy the show. So we'll talk a little bit more about that um, and my uh, zen-like ways. Those guys were on to something. That's all I could say. Time to... Uh, is it time? What else do we have? Uh, the Jester Radio chat room, www.jesterradio.com, and click on chat and get involved. Uh, also, you can give us a call, 646-502-8600. 
even if you have nothing to say, jot this number down, 646-502-8600. Something I'm going to say during the course of the evening is going to piss you off and you're going to want to get it off your chest. Time to uh, turn our attention to the headlines from high atop Jester Radio Studios in a secret location. Bush administration's uh, officials from uh, Vice President Dick Cheney on down signed off on using harsh interrogation techniques against suspected terrorists after asking the Justice Department to endorse their legality, Just Radio has learned. The officials took care to insulate Bush from a series of meetings where CIA interrogation methods, including waterboarding, were, uh, which... Uh, you know, they put a hood over your head and they, and they pour water on you and you can't catch your breath. It simulates drowning. It's simulated drowning. So I, 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 this is another one of these, <laughs> these press terms uh, that sort of stuck, simulated drowning. It's drowning. It's drowning and then saving. So there, there, there can't be a simulated drowning because if it was simulated, you'd be sitting back and watching it. But it's actually drowning. It's not drowning to death. That's the difference. A former senior U.S. intelligence officer familiar with the meetings described them today to Just Radio to confirm details first reported by ABC News on Wednesday. The intelligence official spoke on condition of anonymity uh, because uh, he didn't really know who we were. Between 2002 and 2003, the Justice Department issued several memos from its Office of Legal Counsel that justified using the interrogation tactics, including ones uh, that critics uh, are calling torture. If you look at the timing of the meetings and the memos, you'll see a correlation, the former intelligence official said. Those who attended the dozens of meetings agreed that they'd need to be a legal operation on the legality of these tactics before using them on al-Qaeda detainees, the former official said. The meetings were held in the White House Situation Room in the years immediately following the September 11 attacks attending the sessions were then Bush aides, Attorney General John Ashcroft, Secretary of State Colin Powell, CIA Director George Tenet, and the National Security Advisor, who was then Condi Rice. The White House, Justice and State Departments, and the CIA refused to comment today as did a spokesman for Tenet, although he did said, who are you again? A message for Ashcroft uh, was not uh, immediately returned, and we're not expecting anything soon. You know, this is this is just the way it is, folks. Um, the we've been told by these um, animals in the Bush administration that this technique, whether you call it torture, it's all just a matter a matter of semantics. Torture is, you know, something that uh, causes you mental or physical harm in order to extract information. So I would say that qualifies for torture. I would say keeping a guy up, you know, for six hours asking him questions is torture. So anything beyond that is certainly torture. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we have to just decide, you know, what kind of fucking people we are. You know, that's a decision people like you and I make every day when we walk down the street. We see a wallet on the ground and we ask ourselves, what, you know, what kind of person do I want to be starting from this moment forward? Even if I fucked up yesterday, do I want to be the kind of guy who, you know, sticks the wallet in his pocket? Or do I want to be the kind of guy who looks for the rightful owner? And, uh, you know, one feels good and one makes you feel good about yourself. Subtle distinction, but important one. 
So, you know, I'm sure these guys say, you know, that it's an effective means of obtaining intelligence. Um, Don't know if I believe that because, you know, they're pathological liars and they say any fucking thing they want to. Maybe it's just a a shortcut, lazy shortcut. Maybe it's just a sort of a, a... red tape thing, you know, they want to make sure they eliminate the possibility that the guy may have uh, sang uh, if they, you know, applied enough pressure to him, or maybe it is, in fact, effective. Maybe, in fact, it would be more effective if they actually pulled their limbs off their body or shot them through their hands. All those things are non-lethal. Um, you know, maybe they could show them uh, dummied up pictures of their mother, you know, fucking uh, um, some <laughs> fucking big black sucking some fucking big black schlong. Uh, and that would have an effect on them. Uh, but we, of course, just like every man has to determine what kind of person we want to be. And our government has to determine what kind of country we want to be. So even if it is effective, uh, which I don't believe it is, it's unethical. And I don't think it's becoming of uh, the American people. I'd rather see um, terrorists get away with it, whatever the fuck that means, uh, than torture somebody. So that's where I draw the line. How about you? President Bush's refusal to let two confidants provide information to Congress about fired federal prosecutors represents the most expansive view of uh, executive privilege since Watergate, according to the House Judiciary Committee. Um, You may recall last year, President Bush uh, unilaterally fired a whole fuckload of uh, U.S. attorneys general. Basically, they were the ones that weren't falling into the Bush company line. And it was absolutely unprecedented, although he has the right to hire and fire U.S. attorneys general um, it's never happened where a president just decided, you know, these 15 fucking states are not prosecuting the kind of crimes that we want them to. So we're going to fire them and see if we can't get some other guys in there who, you know, leave the corporations alone and, you know, prosecute the little guy a lot more. A lot of those little uh, insignificant drug deals and prostitution and gambling things, a lot more of those and a lot less of the real crime. So, uh, and then, of course, he came under fire and there was a big investigation. And now um, the, um, the, the supposedly two people that, were, that knew about it, confidants of uh, Bush, have been subpoenaed to come before the House Judiciary Committee and, you know, explain themselves and what they heard. And Bush has intervened using executive privilege to bar these people from testifying. The legal filing came in a lawsuit that pits the legislative branch against the executive in a fight over a president's power. The committee is seeking the testimony as it tries to make a case that the White House directed the firing of nine U.S. attorneys because they were not supportive of enough of Republicans' political agenda. The White House says such information is private and covered by executive privilege, the doctrine intended to protect confidentiality of presidential communications. These people have been the most secretive, the most slimy, the lyingest sacks of shit administration of my entire lifetime. And I lived through Nixon uh, and Reagan. And Reagan ran a whole secret war that nobody knew about. Uh, But this guy is even fucking slimier and sneakier and nastier, and he does it all 
um, while standing around shaking hands with all the big fucking Christian leaders uh, and acts like he's some kind of, you know, born again fucking ugh, scumbag makes me want to puke. Defense Secretary Robert Gates said today that he sees no chance that the number of U.S. troops in Iraq are going to drop to 100,000 by the end of the year, guaranteeing a heavy military pres presence as the war grinds into its now sixth year to the end of the Bush presidency. President Bush said General David Petraeus, his top commander in Iraq, can take all the time he needs to consider further withdrawals. <laughs> take all the time he needs. Take, take whatever your time you need, Dave. Um, after the latest round of cutbacks is completed in July, in the meantime, Petraeus will continue what, until Thursday, has been secret visits to the Middle Eastern countries to try to curb the influx of foreign fighters into Iraq. They're not just now getting around to that, six years into the war. With uh, 285 days remaining in his presidency, Bush set the course of the war in a speech following two days of testimony before a skeptical Congress by Petraeus and the U.S. ambassador to Iraq, Ryan Crocker. Bush said that after the troop withdrawals, which have already been announced, and they end in July, uh, he's going to give Petraeus 45 days to evaluate the effects of the drawdown. 45 days. This would be followed by an indefinite period to reassess U.S. troop strength in Iraq, where new flare-up of extremist violence are threatening to undercut so-called security gains. So it's more of this time, drag-out time game. Well, we're going to do this in July, after which we have to have a, m a month and a half of, you know, uh, thinking about it, and then an indefinite period of what to do about it, and it's just fucking dragging it on. Meanwhile, uh, the United States is building a fucking the, um, uh, army base in Iraq the size of Milwaukee, and they intend to be there for 100 years. Uh, so he's a um, he even as we speak this whole bullshit about how many did withdraw and when to get out and waiting for them to be self-sufficient and waiting for the uh, newest uh, flare up of violence to die down all of this is just a crock they have every intention of staying indefinitely not to the benefit of you and I because if it were we'd be seeing 38 cents a gallon for fucking gas again right I mean, isn't that what I? Isn't that what you thought we were going to see when they fucking raided Afghanistan and then Iraq? We started thinking, man, now we could start fucking throwing this shit into barrels and, and sending it back home. But that's not what it was about at all. It was to get our fucking hooks in the Middle East because these people are not, you know, looking out for what's best. The United States—they're looking out to expand the United States. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. That's me, not the Ravings, the Clown. It's Thursday, April the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2008, and I can see by your eyes you must be lying. And you think that I don't have a clue. Well, baby, you're crazy if you think you can fool me because I've seen that movie too. You know, the one where the players are acting surprised. EJ on JR before he sucked. I can see by your eyes you must be lying. When you think I don't have a clue, baby, you're crazy. 
Problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. She said it's really not my habit to intrude. Furthermore, I hope my meaning won't be lost or misconstrued. But I'll repeat myself. At the risk of being crude, there must be 50 ways to leave your lover. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key and get yourself free. Hey, you're on the air with the jester. Who's calling? Hey, Chewy, what up, son? I need to get what? What do I have to get? A steak knife and cut your left testicle off. Did you post a request? Yes, sir. You know, dude, I'm so sorry, man. I'm really uh, behind the eight ball tonight. Did you notice how I started with one song? And it yeah. Went, yeah. Honestly, I got to tell you, I don't know. Yeah, but I have the request in front of me. It's Lyle Love That's It, cool. and I definitely will get to it. How you That's doing, cool, bud? Brother. How's everything down in uh, the panhandle? It's all right. It's just uh, another day in... Another day in paradise. Yeah, what are you doing hey, down there? Whatever here? happened to Texas Frank and Sid the neighbor? I think they would stop by last week. I don't know where they are. Maybe they hear your voice and they'll come running over. All right. I can't get on the chat line for nothing. I guess I think I have to reset my security little thing. Yeah, there. you got to make sure that Java is allowed. Yeah. So. All right, my brother. All right, but I'll get to that request, I promise. You All right, thanks. Uh, you have to hold up your end of the bar. I will. I will, dude. You need to broadcast it yeah. over the internet. Don't so that you're cutting your left testicle. I got off my knife. I got knife. the knife out right here. I got the moil here. He's going to take care rusty, of the rusty steak knife. Absolutely, with a little pain and blood. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I'll be screaming like a lunatic. <laughs> take it easy, brother. Thanks, Chewy. Chewy, it's on just the radio. Maybe we're not just going to. Maybe we shouldn't do music tonight. Because um, I'm just uh, something's happening um, to my body. I'm really not in control. Not sure what's up with that. Uh, it could be like a flashback. One of those flashbacks you hear about. Um, I remember when I was a kid, they used to say you should never take LSD because you can like wake up one day, like driving down the road, and like suddenly, uh, you know, have. 
um, an exact same return of that trip that you paid for. And here I am, 48 years old, and I'm waiting for my free trip with the fucking, with the amount of acid that I did in my life. I would like to know where is my fucking free trip. Any time would be fine. If I'm driving down the road, no problem. I'll find a safe spot. So if that's true, I've never heard of anybody that ever happening to. Jurors saw a video today of a man accused of plotting to blow up transatlantic aircraft, praising Osama bin Laden, vowing to wage holy war against non-believers. Umar Islam, 29, made the comments in a video found in the trunk of a car belonging to another suspect. Prosecutors say it was a suicide video intended to be viewed after he cacked himself. Islam and seven others were charged with plotting to detonate bombs aboard airliners bound from London to the United States and Canada using explosives concealed in soft drink bottles. Prosecutors, who would suspect a soft drink bottle? People take cases of soda onto airplanes all the time. Prosecutors say they were close to carrying out their plan when they were arrested in August of 06. The men deny the charges. Islam's 19-minute video was shown to the jury at Woolwich Crown Court for the first time today. Clips of it and other alleged martyrdom videos made by several other suspects, were played in the court last week. In his video, Islam, formerly known as Brian Young, by the way, says that, quote, it's an obligation on me as a Muslim to wage jihad against the kuffar, or a non-believer. So in other words, just by non-believing, it's his obligation to kill you, kill them, kill them all, let God sort them out. This is revenge for the actions of the USA in the Muslim lands and their accomplices, such as the British and the Jews, he said. Speaking in front of a black flag covered in Arabic writing, Islam says, Allah loves us to die and kill in his path. What a nice, what a lovely, beautiful God they have. To the Taliban leader, Mullah Omar and Sheikh Osama and the brothers, keep on going, keep on remaining firm. But truly, you have inspired many of the Muslims, and you have inspired me personally to follow the true path of the Prophet, he says. So he actually gave like a little cheer, like a little pep speech to fucking Osama bin Laden. He was going to be dead, which which would have elevated him above bin Laden. So on the video, he was like saying, take heart, my old friend, learn from me. Major disruption was caused to British airports and hundreds of flights were grounded after police arrested the suspects in 06. Prosecutors say the airline uh, uh, cell planned to um, assemble the alleged bombs in jetliner toilets using hydrogen peroxide-based explosives, uh, which were to be smuggled on board by injecting them into the soft drink bottle. So everybody, you get like a half a dozen guys on, each with a bottle filled with, you know, this stuff, that looks like they're just carrying on a bottle, you know, a bottle of soda, and uh, you got to bomb. Airlines quickly imposed tough new limits on the amount of liquids and gels, and the types of carry-on luggage passengers can take. Prosecutors say the suspects had identified seven specific flights from London's Heathrow to Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Washington, Toronto, and Montreal, though no specific dates had been selected. Of course, nobody's telling how they found out about these guys, which is probably the most interesting part of the story. Either somebody ratted them out or 
somebody tipped him off. Uh, you know that these investigators don't find shit like this by going out with a fucking magnifying glass and going up and down the street like Sherlock Holmes. Crisis, disarray, sadness. No, it's not the story of my life. Four months before the opening of what was supposed to be the greatest Olympics in history, the head of the International Olympic Committee is using words that convey anything but a sense of joyous enthusiasm. The protest marred Olympic torch relay and international criticism of China's policies on Tibet and Darfur and human rights have turned the Beijing Games into one of the most politically charged in recent history and presented the IOC with one of its toughest tests since the boycott era of the 70s and the 80s. Boy, those were the days, huh? When people boycotted the Olympics because... The whole point of a boycott is to bring attention to something. So what's the point of boycotting something that nobody's paying attention to? The Olympics is the perfect fucking thing. And these fucking people that go, oh, you're spoiling the Olympics. Everything was going to be... Hey, man, I didn't fucking spoil the Olympics. The fucking Chinamen who've been torturing these fucking people for hundreds of years, they're spoiling the fucking Olympics, bitch. I'm just pointing it out. Let's all just pretend that they have this, you know, squeaky clean record on civil rights and just enjoy the games. Well, what are you, a fucking moron? It is a crisis. There is no doubt about that, IOC President Jacques Rogue said today. But the IOC has weathered many bigger storms. At the same time, Rogue called on China to respect its moral engagement to improve human rights and to fulfill promises of greater media freedom. He also reaffirmed the right of free speech for athletes at the Beijing Games. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokeswoman responded that IOC officials support adhering to the Olympic Charter and not bringing any irrelevant political factors into the Beijing Games. This is the thing. We need to fucking teach these people. The world needs to teach these people that people being tortured, people being denied their civil rights, they're never irrelevant under any circumstances. It's okay to bring that up, whatever the conversation is. It trumps almost everything. So certainly sports. And we need to teach these China people, you know, what, you know, you have to ask yourself, what the fuck were they thinking when they invited the fucking world to come in and look in on them and see uh, what they were doing? And then they fucking start gunning monks down in the street a couple of months before the Olympics. What were they thinking? Did they think the uh, uh, that the world would just look away like the fucking... Uh, sheep in the streets of Beijing do? Do they really think that that's how the world works? Because if they do, because if now they're becoming indignant and demanding that the IOC officials adhere to the Olympic Charter and not bring any irrelevant political factors, then we need to teach them. If that is what they thought, then we need to educate them. I hope the IOC officials will continue to adhere to the principles set by the Olympic Charter. Zhang Yu said Rogue spoke in, in Beijing just hours after the completion of the torch relay in San Francisco, where the route was shortened and the flame was diverted, as we reported yesterday, to prevent disruptions by massive crowds of anti-China protesters. Rogue's use of the word crisis to describe the torch relay and the Beijing buildup came as a surprise. The uh, Belgium, uh, Belgian orthopedic surgeon's comments usually are measured and low-key. He's an orthopedic surgeon in Brussels. <laughs> That's the guy in charge of the Olympics for the world. 
A jury convicted an iconic civil rights figure of incest today after concluding that he had sex with his teenage daughter 15 years ago. The Reverend James L. Bevel, 71, a top lieutenant to Martin Luther King Jr., who also helped organize the Million Man March, faces up to 20 years in prison when he is sentenced. The four-day trial in Loudoun County Circuit in Leesburg, Virginia, included bizarre testimony about Bevel's philosophies for eradicating lust and a parent's duty to sexually orient their children. Ooh. Bevel's daughter testified that she was repeatedly molested by Bevel beginning when she was six years old, culminating in an act of sexual intercourse in 1993 or 94 that uh, formed the basis of the incest charge. The jury reached its verdict after about three hours of deliberation. Uh, I understand they were eating lunch for two and a half hours. Before the verdict, the jury had heard only passing reference to Bevel's role in the civil rights movement, but during the sentencing phase of the trial this afternoon, the jury saw a documentary that spelled out Bevel's key role in organizing the 1963 Birmingham Children's Crusade. Ooh. Bevel and King were leading organizers of the marches in which Police turned fire hoses and dogs on child protesters, drawing international attention to the brutality that was keeping segregation in place in the South. Who will ever forget those uh, films of Bull Connor uh, unleashing the hoses on those black kids? Bevel was also a leading organizer at other iconic events in the civil rights movement, including the 65 March on Selma, Alabama. Prosecutor Nicole Whitman acknowledged Bevel's accomplishments but said the jury shouldn't be swayed by them. There's nothing I could say to take away what this man has accomplished, but there are two Jim Bevels, Whitman told the jury. We're talking about the one who had sex with his daughter. And by the way, there aren't two Jim Bevels. This is part of what makes these people what they are. So if, in fact, he did rape his daughter and molest her for years, um, which I believe he did based on, you know, the fact that he was convicted, um, then um, the fact that he was also a civil rights leader and a good guy and did all this noble stuff, that was part of his sickness. It's not, it's not two people at all. So um, something was going on with him that on the one hand made him do really, really good things, and then on the other hand made him do really, really bad things. And uh, it is the same person, so they have to be related. Everything going on in the same one person is related. Scientists mimicked one of cancer's sneaky tricks to create a drug that promo uh, promises to prevent a serious side effect of cancer treatment, radiation damage or offer an antidote during a nuclear emergency. For the first time now, we have actually an antidote, or at least a beta version, of uh, radiation. A single dose of the experimental drug protected both mice and monkeys from what should have been lethal doses of radiation, researchers report in tomorrow's edition of the journal Science. A study to see if the compound is safe in people can begin as early as this summer. It's still early-stage research, and other efforts to create radiation protectants hadn't yet panned out. But specialists are closely watching uh, uh, this particular uh, work, and the government is helping to fund it because it's a new approach to protecting the body's most radiation-sensitive tissues from being blasted. It's an important implication for radio um, radiation exposure, according to Dr. David Kirsch, a Duke University radiation oncologist, 
who wasn't involved in this particular drug research. Radiation is a powerful tool to destroy cancer cells, but certain healthy tissues are especially sensitive to it, too, particularly bone marrow and gastrointestinal tract. The vulnerability can limit how much radiation physicians are able to give their patients. So they have to turn down the the radiation dial because they don't want to affect the good tissue around it. Obviously, the, the, the gamma rays that come out of the radiation gun can't distinguish between cancer cells and good cells. They just fucking kill everything. Uh, when it comes to radiation emergencies such as Chernobyl, full body exposure uh, to high doses can cause an extremely lethal GI syndrome that has no treatment. Turns out that radiation doesn't kill healthy cells in the same way that it kills cancer cells. Instead, Bone marrow and GI cells overreact to what should be reparable damage, and they commit suicide through a well-known process called apoptosis, which is um, um, uh, suicide, a a cell killing itself. Learning what the eureka moment, uh, according to this uh, scientist at Roswell Park Cancer Center, Goodkov, uh, apoptosis is the body's way of stopping defective cells with damaged genes from spreading, Tumors grow because cancer cells block apoptosis in various ways, uh, including by activating a normally dormant cell cell signaling pathway called the nuclear factor uh, kappa B or NFKB. So this is what is cancer. Cancer is the canceling of apoptosis, and defective cells just run out of control. So they've learned that if you zap them with radiation, it causes these cancer cells to die, but all the nearby cells die with it. If you have a tumor in your brain or you have it near your gastrointestinal tract, then you're fucked because they really can't give you effective amount of radiation to kill the cancer cells in that area because it would kill you. And by the way, here's something that your oncologist, your neuro-oncologist won't tell you. A lot of people have their brain tumor re- uh, reduced in size by radiation. And then uh, 5, 10, 15 years later, they get cancer, but a new different cancer in the spot where the radiation was. Because radiation causes cancer. So they kill the cancer, and then you get a new cancer from it. If Neil Patrick Harris has his way, Britney Spears would be banned from the set of How I Met Your Mother, nothing against the pop singer personally. He just doesn't think the show should bring guests aboard for ratings boosts alone. I'm in the minority that our show does not need stunt casting in order to succeed, Harris declared during a break from taping the Monday Night CBS sitcom, which has grown a cult following since its 05 debut. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this show. The once or twice that I flipped past it and tuned in, I just didn't, it wasn't funny. The whole thing is about this sort of snappy, zippy, smarmy, um, Neil Patrick Harris character and it's not I mean it's amusing but it's not I'm not guffawing aren't you supposed to like when Norton when Ralph Cramden would throw the door open and go whoa what a surprise and there was nobody there that's funny that would make you laugh hysterically out loud for several minutes but uh, yeah, I'm just not getting any laughs with this I worry, um, I worry that if they start will and gracing us too much that the show will suffer and we're already uh, proud of the content of the show. I mean, viewership is not our game. It's the network and studios game, you know. It's the promotion department's game. 
the actor who plays womanizer Barney, told Jester Radio in an interview last week, Spears has been the most high-profile guest star to visit the set following past appearances by Mandy Moore, Enrique Iglesias, and Heidi Klum. All three of those people will appear just about anywhere. Uh, but her capable March 24 cameo fervently promoted, anticipated, blogged about, critiqued, analyzed, and ultimately well-reviewed gave Harris pause to voice a concern. Was the show selling out? We wish we weren't opposite an awkward reality dancing competition, he said, but we have, to, we have no say about that. I'm just a real fan of our content. I think we have a great show going, and I hope it's not screwed up by the desire for 700,000 more viewers. Well, uh, you don't often hear that, um, and I wonder if he's sincere about that because, you know, we have this mentality in America um, that if you're not if you're not growing, then you're slowing, or whatever the fuck it is. It's this sort of corporate attitude that's um, I think trickled down to the regular guy um, the past several years. Um, there's always sort of this. Uh, um, unspoken curse in every you know medium to large business in america that you really always have to be in the increase mode there is no such thing as uh stabilizing or niche finding a niche or plateauing you constantly have to be growing otherwise you're gonna die the definition of a company that will die is a company that's not growing this has been the sort of um strategy uh and i think that People believe it, too. There is no sort of center. There is no sort of, you know, um, balance. There is no, you know, place where you're safe and comfortable and feel um, content and secure and um, gratified. You always need to feel constantly unsatisfied and, um, you know, antsy about not um, you know having enough and not doing enough and not squeezing in enough and uh, you know that's unfortunate because some TV shows will be great if there's 350,000 people watching them and they'll suck if there's a million people watching them so it's good if it reaches that balance it's good that it doesn't grow it keeps it good nothing wrong with uh, not growing I think. Hey, you're listening to The Ravings of a Clown. It's Thursday, April the 10th, and it's R. Dean Taylor with the, that won the uh, Gra uh, Grammy Award in 1970 for Best Special Effects, first time they had that uh, category. Please don't fuck with that doll. You're tuned into The Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Bye. 
My father died today. I don't know why. Share on Just Radio. That was just an old uh, Russian gypsy melody that uh, that uh, her little shrimpy husband uh, stuck some uh, cutesy lyrics in. Some really funny, decent lyrics, actually. It's kind of heavy, kind of, uh, you know, poppy. And made a little song for his bride out of it. She was, um, back in those days, she was sort of still working her Native American thing. And I was working for a marketing company. And I remember we were doing all these wacky, like, engine things. We did this toy where you could dress up Cher with, like, a um, like a fucking engine outfit, like a squaw outfit with the leather tassels and then shit. And you stand it in front of a mirror. It was like a little cutout of Cher, a little cutout doll. Like uh, like that stuff, uh, like that sticky vinyl, you know, kind of stuff. Colorform. Thank you. So we kept going back to Colorform. We had all these cool things, and they were loving it, and they produced all this shit. And then one day they said, no, nah, you know, Cher's not doing the engine thing anymore. <laughs> she's, she's not an engine. So, But it's kind of freaky when you think about all these people uh, that are Native Americans that are in the music business, like, you know, I don't know, there's a million of them, J. Robbie Robertson and Cher and uh, Gordon Lightfoot. And, and there's only like 12 American Indians let, l- alive. So And they're either in the casino business or they're in the show business. It's freaky. Also, let's talk about show business, Mr. Show Business, that Mr. Donkish Shane over there. Uh, American Airlines, by the way, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Thursday, April the 10th, and I am the Jester, and you can call me directly like Chewy Chitlins just did at 646-502-8600, 646-502-8600, or you can Skype in. Our Skype name is Jester Radio. American Airlines canceled more than 900 flights today to fix faulty wiring and hundreds of jets, marking the third straight day of mass groundings as company executives offered profuse apologies and travel vouchers to calm the angry customers. A spokesman said the cancellations would go until Saturday, but that American expected all the grounded planes to be flying again by Saturday night. Other carriers operating similar aircraft also left passengers scrambling for alternatives as they grounded flights to inspect the wire bundles at the heart of a renewed safety crackdown by the FAA. Call me paranoid. Call me a lunatic. Call me a conspiracy theorist. But what is exactly the fucking deal? This um, FAA um, so-called safety crackdown was from 2006. And they just suddenly came out and said, no, all the planes that are flying with this configuration that have the wires bundled together have to pull over. And uh, we need to inspect them because the wires could rub together and cause a spark and melt the wiring. How do we know? Has it ever happened? No. So literally fucking one-third of all airline passengers have been grounded the past four days. What the fuck is really going on is what I want to know. Are there, uh, they going, they doing alien um, aircraft experiments up in the sky that they don't want no interference with? I'm just axing. I'm just axing. I don't know. Alaska Airlines canceled 11 more flights today uh, as it continued to inspect its nine MD-80 jet. Spokeswoman Carlene Boren in Seattle said that uh, 
Uh, it follows 28 cancellations yesterday and three on Tuesday. The airline was working to accommodate effective passengers, she said. How are they going to accommodate them? Put them on another airline, they're canceled too. Midwest Airlines canceled at least 10 flights today after it grounded all of its 13 MD-80 planes to deal with the same issue. Spokesman Mike Brophy said federal regulators cleared the planes to fly, but airline executives decided that they should be reinspected by Midwest personnel. Delta Airlines were likely to ground a handful of flights today, but was expecting minimal cancellations and minimal customer impact. According to their spokeswoman, the problems could be just beginning. The latest checks are part of a second phase of audits carried out by the FAA, which came under pressure from lawmakers after its inspectors were found to be too lax with Southwest Airlines last year. That round of inspections runs through June 30th. American, the nation's largest carrier, said that tomorrow it uh, canceled 933 flights for the day. The airline has now scrubbed nearly 2,500 flights since Tuesday when federal regulators warned that nearly half its planes could be in violation of a safety regulation designed to prevent fires. More than one in three flights canceled over the last three days. One in three. I'm telling you, call me crazy, but they're trying to keep us from flying up in the sky. What's going on up there? Well, from down here, I say, let's drink a toast to the Admiral, and here's to the Captain Bold, and glory more to the Commodore when the deeds of might are told. They stand to the deck, to the battle's wreck, when the great shells roar and pound, and never they fear when the foe is near to lay their orders down. It's off with your hat, and three times three for every sailor's son, for the men below who fight the foe, the men behind the guns. Let's drink a toast to the Admiral and here's to the Captain Bold And glory more for the Commodore when the deeds of might are told They stand to the deck to the battle's wreck when the great shells roar and pound And never they fear when the foe is near to lay their orders down But off with your hats and three times three for every sailor's son for the men below who fight the foe, the men behind the guns, oh, the men behind the guns. Their hearts are pounding heavy when they swing the port once more. With never enough of the greenback stuff, they start for the leave ashore. And you'd think perhaps the blue blouse chaps had better close to wear. For the uniforms of officers could hardly be compared. Warriors blowed with straps of gold that dazzle like the sun Outshine the common sailor boys, the lads who serve the guns Oh, the men behind the guns Let's say not a word to the shot is heard that tells the fight is on And the angry sound of another round says they must be gone Over the deep and the deadly sweep of the fire and the bursting shell where the very air is a mad despair that throws up a living hell. But down and deep in a mighty ship unseen by the midday sun. Oh, you find the boys who make the noise, the lads who serve the guns. Oh, the men behind the guns. And well they know the cyclone blow loose from the cannon steel. 
And then all the hull of the enemy ship will quiver with the feel. And the decks will rock with a lightning shock and shake with a great recoil. While the sea grows red with the blood of the dead and swallows up her spoil. But not until the final ship has made her final run. And we give the rest to the very best, the lads who serve the guns. Oh, the men behind the guns. Let's drink a toast to the Admiral and here's to the Captain Bold And glory more for the Commodore when the deeds of mine are told They stand to the deck for the battle's wreck when the great shells roar and pound And never they fear when the foe is near to lay their orders down But off with your hats and three times three for every sailor's son For the men below who fight the foe, the men behind the guns Starting to get very depressed, so I went to the Kiev and ate breakfast. Then, as I walked down Second Avenue towards St. Mark's Place, where all those people sell used books and other junk on the street, I saw my penis lying on a blanket next to a broken toaster oven. Some guy was selling it. I had to buy it off him. He wanted 22 bucks, but I talked him down to 17. I took it home, washed it off, and put it back on. I was happy again, complete. People sometimes tell me I should get it permanently attached, but I don't know. Even though sometimes it's a pain in the ass, I like having a detachable penis.
eclectic blend for you on Just Radio, Neil Young and Southern Man, King Missile. Detachable penis Phil Oak started that set with the men behind the guns, and you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. When authorities moved to search the White Temple on the polygamous compound in West Texas, about five dozen of the sex men prayed and cried around the structure, state investigators said today. Schleicher County Sheriff David Duran also said that he had been working with a confidential informant uh, for four years who was feeding him information about life inside the polygamous sect. So now the, this, um, we find out that this fucking sheriff, this county sheriff, had a man on the inside for four fucking years. And he claims now he didn't know anything about the raping of kids. I mean, if it was so essential to this cult's um, you know, practice, we, we reported yesterday that they actually had a bed in the temple. So after they... Uh, married this poor kid off to some fucking flabby old doddering fucking loose balls fucking man, he would rape her right there in the fucking church. He didn't have time to get her back to the house. And this guy says, no, we we knew about what was going on. We just didn't know about all the raping. Duran declined to say whether the informant was in Texas or in other sect compounds that are in Utah or Arizona. It wasn't until after the search had begun that Duran learned about marriage beds in the temple and the forced marriages of underage girls to older men. What kind of man on the inside does he have? This is what all these sects are about, is about getting young fucking chicks to fuck old men. That's all they're about. It's not about religion. It's not about God. It's not about you know peace and happiness. It's about you know, tricking young girls into fucking disgusting old men. It was instrumental in teaching me the group's ways, Duran said, but state authorities defended their decision to leave the sect alone for four years that it had encamped in West Texas. We're aware that this group is capable of sexually abusing young girls, Duran said, but there again, this is the United States. We're going to respect them. We're not going to violate their civil rights until we get an outcry. I've said that from day one. So we're aware that they're capable of doing this, but we're this is the U.S. We have to live and let live. Texas Range Captain Barry Carver said, you got to believe that somewhere up the chain, somebody was telling this guy, leave those fucking Mormons alone. They're protected, obviously. Texas Ranger Captain Barry Carver said, some of the 57 men near the wall were on their knees praying. Others cried and sobbed. Others, uh, one resisted officer's attempt to enter the area, and he was arrested. When authorities finally gained entrance to the three-story building, no one was inside. But on the top, uh, they found beds allegedly used by the husbands after they married underage girls on the top floor of the temple. He said authorities made the temple the last stop on the week-long search because if there was going to be any resistance at all, it would be then. Carver also described the difficulties faced by child welfare officials in finding and removing all 416 children from the compound. Uh, The children were shuffled around houses as we were searching, he said, noting that as soon as they saw children in one house, they would be quickly ushered to other homes. Officials have left the compound and still have not identified the 16-year-old girl who called to report that she had been beaten and raped by her husband. When you're dealing with a culture like this, They've taught from very early on that they don't answer questions to the point, Duran said. And we we may very well have uh, her at Child Protective Services. All of that is certainly being sorted out right now. 
so, of course, Texas law prohibits polygamy and marriage of girls under 16. So girls 16 years old can marry in Texas. Maybe uh, Luann ought to call, call in and explain something about uh, the, the, you know, what's going on down there in Texas that we have a situation like this. Uh, you can marry a chick when she's 16 years old, man. When my daughters were 16 years old, I mean, I fucking kept them, kept them chained to the radiator. Ugh, these poor kids. You know, um, I've been saying this now for a while. It's not, you know, it is every man and woman's choice to raise their children how they see fit. If they want to educate them that the world is flat, if they want to teach them to be tolerant and and um, and loving, whatever it is that they believe in, they're allowed to teach their children up to the point of abuse. And, of course, at some point we have to define what abuse is. Society has to say uh, this constitutes, if you go to the point where you're mentally and physically harm, harming the child, then that's abuse. For example, I'm not even saying that's the standard. And then you have to figure out what harm means. But certainly by any measure, marrying a girl when she's 9, 10, 11, and then to a, to you know an arranged marriage to some fucking geezer with his balls hanging down you know down one leg of his pants uh, and then snatching her up and dragging her up to the top floor i mean can can you even imagine what kind of uh, like like twilight zone stephen king kind of horror nightmare this would be for this poor little kid and then dragging her up to the top floor of this church, and then raping the kid. So I believe that by anybody's measure, that that exceeds the line of harm. Families of the victims of the Virginia Tech shootings have reached a tentative $11 million settlement with the state. Governor Timothy M. Kane said today the deal is designed to prevent future lawsuits, Kane said in a substantial majority of families of victims of the Virginia Tech shootings agreed to the settlement. Peter Greenier and Douglas Feinberg, who represent 21 families, also confirmed the settlement but would not discuss its terms until final papers are drawn. Kane spokesman Gordon Hickey described the settlement as a work in progress. We're discussing things with the family. Uh, there's still a confidentiality we're honoring until it's signed uh, in place. So supposedly... Uh, each of the people killed get a hundred grand. Plus, there's an eight hundred thousand dollar pool set aside for people who were injured. Uh, there's a one point seven million dollar hardship fund. You know, they got it all nicely sliced up. Because in this country, in this day and age, when a loved one of yours dies, you immediately go to a lawyer and see how much money you can get. Because I don't care what I mean. You know, I've seen a million of these fucking lawsuits. They lay out all this bullshit about, uh, you know, grief counseling and the hardship pool and all this crap. And then they get fucking paid and they go out and they buy a fur coat and a Cadillac. And that's what it all becomes about. And it's just. <laughs> and the fucking lawyers make 33%. They fa they're falling over each other. To uh, you know, get these um, these lawsuits, uh, and they take them on contingency because they know it's a fucking it's a bonanza. Here's a pair from Latch. You're on Jester Radio. Last night I dreamt I was a stagecoach 
With aristocratic ladies on my velvet seats I heard their rich whispers like the soft crumple of satin sheets And my floorboards creaked in painful ecstasy With the shuffle of their feet And I woke crying in my bed from the dreams of positions of power and Then I dreamt I was the coach's horses Kept in the stable with the flies The bridle bit into my mouth It stung like a million lies And my muscles ached From pulling those ladies Through their useless lives And I woke in the shining sweat of the slaves To the positions of power Oh, positions of power and Then I dreamt I was the ladies Their laughter and jewels my own We whispered plans to fire the driver And what he'd do if we let him stay on As the coach and horses moaned And I awoke crying in despair I knew there'd never be an empty chair In the positions of power Oh, positions of power Looking for her Emptying bottles While filling up pages Talking about her lonely pain She sends her messages out like missiles Falling through teardrops Thick as rain Men are distant Towers of laughter Men are Yes, too. 
men They're born guilty And women are all born innocent Men are distant just a fact a pair from latch men don't come back in positions of power from his um new cd the calm before and people always whenever i play latch people always say who is that guy I recognize his voice who the fuck is that sometimes they mix him up with somebody else but uh he did get a little airplay for on his last album with um the boy that never went outside and the jester and um but he's very well known in the anti-folk movement he's the uh, progenitor of the movement and has uh, discovered numerous um talent uh in the same genre um at the little club he runs down in alphabet city in uh, manhattan uh that's latch on jester radio you're listening to the ravings of a clown this thursday april the 10th the year of our Lord, 2008. Uh, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Please feel free to stop by and throw your two shekels into the thick of the fray. State police said former Cumberland County Commissioner Bruce Barkley videotaped hundreds of sexual ca- encounters, many with male escorts, using cameras hidden throughout his Monroe Township um, home. This is in, um, uh, apparently, where is this, Bob? Florida? Uh, State police say former, uh, the police say the sexual encounters were videotaped without the knowledge of the participants. According to an affidavit, a a probable cause filed on Tuesday with the magisterial district judge, Susan Day. Court documents say cameras were installed in January of 07, investigators are searching items seized from Barclay's residence a second time in relation to a rape investigation. Reading a prepared statement, Barclay's attorney, Mouthrew Gover, said, although he and Barclay did not agree with everything in the affidavit, it's clear in my client's private life he's made an error of judgment. <laughs> what is striking is this very same lack of judgment exonerates him from a rape allegation that wasn't going anywhere. Gover emphasized that Barclay's misjudgment never extended into his role as a county commissioner, which he said Barclay always handled with honor. And there you go. He was, t- he was taping his sexual encounters with male whores at home at night, but during the day he was on the straight and narrow. And by the way, uh, strictly speaking, having homosex doesn't make you immoral, so that doesn't disqualify him from public office. Um, however surreptitiously taping those encounters but on the other hand you know there was a movie uh, there was a book many years ago by that guy ira levin who wrote um rosemary's baby all the books he ever wrote had to do with like um, a building in manhattan where like something goes awry and in this one it was called uh, sliver 
And in this one, one of these little sliver buildings in New York, something was going on where the guy who built the building had like a billion cameras all over the apartment house and he could watch everybody fighting, fucking, talking. It was like addictive. And he turned this one chick onto it. He like fell in love with this chick and he, you know, showed her the room. And, you know, a lot of these um, ethical questions come up like, uh, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound, you know? By by strict definition, the answer is no, because without hearing, there's no sound. Without vision, there's no light. So uh, without some receptor, the other thing isn't there. So it's there, uh, but it's not a sound until it's picked up. So likewise, is it a crime uh, if the guy never shared these videos on the internet and he only used them and whacked off to them and the chicks never found out about it, you know, there's no harm. Now, I can hear the chicks already crying. How dare you? You're disgusting. You're a pig. It's a violation. I don't want to know that somebody has been doing. Yeah, but you don't know. You know, it's just like dying. You know, when I die, I want my shit to be in my funeral to be like, hey, you're not going to be there. What the fuck do you care? It's not going to be. It's not of your concern. It's outside of your realm of influence. So if you don't know about it, you know, every now and then you always hear these stories about these guys who plant cameras in their cabanas and then they invite their fucking friends and neighbors over and tell them, yeah, here's your bathing suit. Get dressed over there. And they got the whole thing on tape. You know, we've seen this a million fucking times. But you got to figure, like with any crime, uh, if it's, you know, if they're catching it a hundred times, it must be happening a thousand times. And in the other 900 instances, who gets hurt? There really is no harm until you're caught. So maybe that's the uh, ethical um, the, um, factor then. The possibility of them finding out would hurt them. So that makes it wrong. I don't know. I'll think about it. A Star Tribune newspaper column has... But then again, they have no business worrying about it because it's a picture of them naked. What's the fucking problem with that? If you don't like me jerking off to your picture of you naked, that's your fucking problem. I don't even need a picture to jerk off to you. I got a fucking movie camera right here, my friend. I can have you any which way I want, anytime I want. And to believe me, take it from me. I have. Oh, boy, have I. And the things you said and did, my friend. So don't worry about the cameras. Worry about what's going on in my head. A Star Tribune newspaper column has prompted a state investigation. This is in uh, Minnesota. I don't know if you've heard about this story, but this woman did this tremendous expose in the Star Tribune, and it, she came out and said that this one particular school, a so-called magnet school, is really just a fucking government-paid, uh, you know, um, Islam school. Listen to what's going on. A substitute teacher said a school in Inner Grove Heights is blurring the line of separation of church and state. That's kind. Being a, char a charter school, Tarek Ibn Ziad Academy, or TISA, is supported by tax dollars. The uh, teacher told uh, this um, uh, five eyewitness news uh, that the presence of religion she observed at the school took her by surprise. TISA executive director Ahmad Zaman insisted the school follows with state and federal laws. He says TISA does not endorse any religion. However, it's sponsored by Islamic Relief USA, 
the questions came after substitute teacher Amanda Getz taught a teaser last month and told the Star Tribune about things she observed that day that shocked her. I've been in a lot of schools. I've never been in a school where they had washing rituals, where they had prayer, or where they had a room where you had to take your shoes off, Getz said. It's most likely uh, that the substitute teacher was sadly mistaken, Zaman said. He said the school follows state and federal guidelines when it comes to religion. Uh, we're required under the federal guidelines to allow students to pray when they wish to. And as Muslim students, they're allowed to pray at 1.30 p.m., so we allow them to do that. Zaman said the State Department of Education said they would conduct more site visits and write to the State Department to find out more about the uh, school sponsor. Um, the state law requires them to fly the American flag. No flag flies outside the Tease Academy. And Zaman told Jester Radio he didn't know how to work the flagpole. I shit you not. I couldn't even make that up. And there's a lot more to this article. This woman said that she actually saw it was not a voluntary thing. The law is that if a child goes to a teacher and says, I want to spontaneously pray now, that the teacher can't stop them. But what these people are doing is they're actually corralling them into this so-called assembly every day to force them to pray. There was no questioning who wants to pray. They lined them up one by one to go to the bathroom to do their wish-washing ceremony. And then they line them up in the, in the auditorium to fucking bow to the east and gibber for 45 minutes. Like they would at a fucking, you know, at, a, at one of these schools in Afghanistan. Or Egypt, where they, where they made the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda, where those people come from. This is the same shit they're doing here with your fucking tax dollars in Minnesota. So... And then the the and when asked about it, these religious zealots, they lie, they lie, and they lie, and they lie. She's mistaken. It's not true. We allow them if they want to. We don't force them. It's all bullshit. And and again, we have this situation where the local government has got to fucking know about this. I mean, people have to know about this, and nobody's done shit. It's just a fucking you know, live and let live. Other than the fact that, you know, it's your tax dollars, I have no problem. It was a tempting sight for struggling landscaper Eli Estrada, a bag filled with $140,000 on Cerrito Street in Long Beach, California. There was his credit card debt, upcoming wedding, and making ends meet with uh, artificial grass and landscaping business. But turning it over to Long Beach police last month was the right thing to do, he said. The 40-year-old Estrada admits that some days, I think I was nuts. But he adds, I know in my gut that to keep that money would have been wrong. The Bank of America money bag was lost on March 11th by Brinks armored truck drivers. The unmarked $20 bills were bundled into wads of 20 grand and bound for ATMs. Long Beach Police Sergeant Dina Zapolsky said Estrada handed over the money bag to an officer who took a report uh, at one of the landscaper's job sites. Uh, Zapolsky said she had never heard of someone turning in so much money. I've had people come to me with purses and wallets with cash in it, and they'll turn it in, uh, she told uh, the, long, uh, the Los Angeles Times, but not like this. <clears throat> Brinks, excuse me, Brinks gave the guy a uh, $2,000 reward. So I hope he didn't do it for the reward, but um, just, uh, that's the way to go, man. Can't fucking... Um, anything else you know, would be stealing. 
and stealing is a uh, violation of the core ethical code of man. Uh, he shot his hunting partner, but Vice President Dick Cheney apparently doesn't fly fish with naked women. I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a picture um, that was posted on the Internet uh, the other day, and it's like a close-up of Dick Cheney's face. And if you look at it a certain way, <laughs> you got to go look this up on Google and tell me if it's me uh, or if I'm crazy. It looks like the reflection in his sunglasses is a naked broad, like walking towards him. Since Wednesday, the blogosphere has been a Twitter over a photograph on the White House website of Cheney with a caption that said he was fly fishing on the Snake River in Idaho. The photo is a tight shot of Cheney's face sporting dark sunglasses and that trademark grin, or evil sneer, as I like to refer to it. What's stirring all the buzz is the reflection in the vice president's dark glasses. Some thought that the reflection looked like a naked woman. And this being Cheney, and this being the Internet age, they immediately shared uh, that thought with the whole world. In a Google search for the words Dick Cheney and sunglasses, 79,300 hits came back at mid-afternoon this afternoon. By 7 p.m., it was 130,000. On DemocraticUnderground.com, the discussion starts with the question, notice anything interesting reflected in his sunglasses? something that has little to do with conventional fly fishing. It wasn't just the blogosphere. On a website called sportshooter.com, dedicated to sports photography, professionals also did a double take and debated the shots on their message board. Naked woman? That explains his heart problem, noted photographer John Frizzell of Greenville, North Carolina. Holy crap, is that what I think it is? Wrote one reader of the blog, a Welsh view. At first glance, I thought it was a naked woman as well, wrote Jody G Gomez, a photographer from Murrieta, California. However, uh, after close study and a second opinion, I believe it's his arm. Others, including White House staffers, say the profile of a man's face in a cigar. So either that, the other people have um, proposed that it's a hot babe sunbathing, an alien overlord. Uh, it's not Dick Cheney. Or the image was photoshopped. So we'll leave it for you to decide. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Here's a pair for V. Don't fuck with that dial. Bad. 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 Bad.
rich woman beg And I make a good woman steal I make an old woman blush And I make a young girl squeal I wanna be yours, pretty baby Yours and yours alone I'm here to tell you, honey
got cat out to V. That was uh, Brian uh, Setzer and his uh, Massapequa buds, Lee Rocker and Slim Jim Phantom and uh, the Stray Cats on Jester Radio. Love that uh, Gretsch uh, semi-hollow body guitar. It's got that super duper uh, rockabilly sound and these guys were doing this in the 80s doing that uh, Buddy Holly thing. And now, you know, Brian Setzer has the uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra and Rocker and Phantom are in the Swing Cats, which is kind of sad to name your second band so that it makes people think it's the th- first band. And these guys are still young. So, but uh, they're members of the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. So that's something. You're listening to the Ravings of a Cloud on Jester Radio. Before that, we heard from uh, George Thorogood, bad. We should do a set. One night of just um, a playlist of all uh, uh, stuttering songs, like My Generation and Screaming Jay Hawkins and uh, uh, what's his name, Billy Stewart. Authorities say a woman who's been found living with hundreds of rats and four malnourished snakes in a home outside Rochester, Washington. Thurston, Thurston County Animal Services Director Susan Beauregard says an official from the Area Agency on Aging alerted authorities about a month ago, uh, but the woman has been uncooperative. She says the woman calls the rats her friends. (laughs) On Wednesday, a search warrant was obtained. It's not funny. It's it's horrible. On Wednesday, a search warrant was obtained. Officers found the floor covered with rat droppings and the carpets soggy with rat urine. Beauregard says the two malnourished boa constrictors, a corn snake and a king snake, were seized from cages. Uh, Investigators believe the woman brought some rats to feed the boa constrictors, but they got loose. And, uh, you know, what happens when rats get together? And, uh, (laughs) but you know, the reason this story caught my eye is because there's a Thurston County Animal Services Director, and there's a official from the Area Agency on Aging. So there's all these sort of government um, bureaucracies sort of aligned to kind of handle shit like this. And I was talking with Louie in the chat room a little while ago. She's from West Texas, and I was saying, what's the deal with this um, cult 
that you got going over there in West Texas. And she said, you know, she knows all about it. They've been uh, writing books about it, and she's uh, she's read all about it. Sorry about that. And uh, and th this guy apparently was arrested in in Utah and Arizona, uh, and then you know they moved to uh, Texas, and everybody should have fucking known it. Everybody should have followed. Where are the people that follow up on the sick, perverted, fucking uh, you know cults around the country? They just pick up and move to another state and they could fucking start all over again. She said that she talked to a friend who lived like right down the block from this place and she didn't even know about it. She didn't even know it was there. The shit that's going on right under our fucking noses. And you know who I blame? Say it with me. And I, I'm not even joking. I blame Bush. I blame Bush because... If we weren't spending $10.3 billion a day in Iraq, we would have fucking money to have people who would be in charge of where the fucking cults are going. We have no fucking qualms about killing tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of Iraqis, in in illegally imprisoning and torturing uh, people that we snatch up uh, illegally off the street. And then the administration lies and rationalizes about it but who is watching our fucking children these are 9 10 11 12 year old kids as soon as they become pubescent they whisk them away into the church they see one fucking hair growing between this kid's legs and they start looking you know as soon as they can and when they see one pop out they whip them over to the church they marry them off to some fucking ogre to some kind of thing and you can imagine what this poor kid is going through, and then they drag the kid up then and there, then and fucking there to some filthy mattress in the attic, all under the guise of religion, and people know about this. They knew the fucking guy was doing this shit in Arizona. They arrested him and put him in jail, and they saw his fucking people, uh, you know, get up and move to another fucking state, and, you know, this clown from the fucking sheriff's department says he's got a guy on the inside for the past four years, but he didn't know anything about the raping and the, come on, where are the fucking people protecting our own children from filthy fucking cultist, rapist lunatics? It just, um, it pisses me off. If we could think, if we do the same thing with every dollar that we have that we do with our own selves, like this guy that we talked about earlier who returned the $140,000 because that was a decision based on what his ethic was, not the circumstances. It's taking somebody else's money is stealing, even if your kid is starving, even if it's a lot of money. There are no exceptions to ethics. That's why they're ethics. They're rules. So stealing is wrong. And the the guy decided and made an ethical decision, I'm not going to steal this money, I'm going to give it back to its rightful owner. What if we did that with every fucking dollar we spent? What if we said, I would like my tax dollars to go towards the things that are, I value and measure, merit, list, index, enumerate your values, write them down, what's important to you? Uh, children not being raped by fucking old men with their fucking gray balls hanging in their face, that may go at the top of your list. Maybe not. Maybe it's, you know, healthy poodles. I don't know. Whatever it is, put it down on a list. And what if we all decided that we would pay our taxes to the things that we value individually?
kind of fucking world would that be? And how many how many dollars would be left to spend on war? Because how many people want to spend their fucking money on killing people and wounding American soldiers? A jail inmate who recently filed more than 60 lawsuits in one day will no longer be able to flood Lancaster, Lancaster Nebraska County courts with lawsuits. Uh, all six Lancaster County district judges signed off on an order limiting Eric Lewis to six filings a year unless he can show that he faces imminent harm. Lewis, 36, has filed 149 cases since January of 07. Many of his filings ask for protection orders against people who work at the jail or who oversee his custody. He's trying to get orders of protection against prison guards. The judge said most cases could be denied without hearings, but the filings can create significant works for the court clerks. In their order, the judge said Lewis has flagrantly and repeatedly abused the judicial process. There is precedent for such limits on court filings. Previously, three courts restricted the number of filings Billy Roy Tyler could submit while serving a 7- to 10-year prison term on drug charges. By 1990, the Douglas County District Court said that Tyler had filed 99 lawsuits in an eight-year period. You would think he would go for that last one, just for to hit the number. The court limited him to filing just one a month unless he proved the likelihood of immediate, extraordinary, and irreparable harm. Hey, here's an idea. Um, you know, you go to jail, you lose the fucking right to sue somebody. How about let's go even further and say, let's make taxes voluntary. People don't have to pay taxes. The only people who pay taxes, you would say to yourself, well, why would anybody volunteer to pay taxes? Well, let's say you're not entitled to certain government services if you don't, like the courts. So only people who pay taxes then, who volunteer to pay taxes, can use the court system. So that means the only people who really, really have a business using the courts will be using them. And that means that the people who pay for government services will be the people who, you know, basically run the big businesses. How great would that be? Think about it. Dan Kidder didn't go to bed too early. Maybe that's why he's still alive. A thirty-eight caliber bullet went through a wall in his Cedar, home, uh, Cedar City home uh, in Utah and threw the headboard on his bed about 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Kidder, a firearms instructor, says the what-ifs are staggering. Cedar City Sergeant Jerry Womack says a neighbor believed the gun was empty, and Kidder says the neighbor apologized. No court action is likely, but Kidder plans to talk to his neighbor about gun safety. The bullet landed in the carpet safely. Massage parlors in an Indonesian town are asking their female masseuses to padlock their skirts and their pants to make it clear that sex is not an offer. The move has been protested by the women's affairs minister in Indonesia, where massage parlors are often a front for prostitution. It's not the right to prevent promiscuity. Matua Swan Naso was quoted as saying in today's Jakarta Post, it insults women uh, as if they are the ones in the wrong. At least one parlor in the tourist town of Batu, a Java, uh, has required its masseuses to padlock their skirts or their trousers to make it clear that the establishment doesn't tolerate prostitution. No happy endings uh, in these uh, massage parlors. Others in the town started following suit after local officials suggested it was a good idea at a recent meeting with parlor owners. TV footage and photos have shown several masseuses with small padlocks on the zipper of their pants. <laughs> 
You know, that's great. But, you know, when I was a kid back in the uh, 80s when I was, like, running around in my 20s in New York City, um, there was these things that were just going on. There was all these illegal uh, gambling places you can go to. And uh, every fucking street corner had this Korean um, fruit stand where all the whores would hang out at night because they were all-night affairs. And in, on, above a lot of these were the whorehouses. And they sort of had these massage signs out. And it was a kind of a like the way you would think of the way these Korean fingernail parlors are now. They're like, they pop up everywhere. They sort of dominate the market. And they move you in and out, you know, like the Benihana style. Uh, you know, the... The, um, uh, the 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 Henry Ford style. They just sort of run you through. You know, they get you in. They pick from a menu. You pay up front. Uh, you know, the uh, they hose you. They take you to a shower. They hose you down like an elephant. You know, uh, they put you in like a robe and paper slippers. They give you like a sort of a cursory massage, but it's a good massage. It's not like a phony massage. And then they get to the business at hand. So the whole thing is sort of handled like a McDonald's-style thing. And these things were on every street corner. You would go to the one, you know, that was your favorite, like you'd go to your favorite Chinese restaurant. And uh, they sort of seemed very happy about it. Nobody looked like they were being beaten or, you know, tortured. Uh, certainly, you know, for me and my buds, it was, you know, great. Um, it was a great way to, you know, g get sex at the end of a long night of drinking without having to you know, kiss anybody or whatever, or talk to anybody the next day. So, um, and it was cheap, you know. I think we it was probably like 50 or 60 bucks a pop for the whole schmear, the round the world, half and half, whatever the hell it was. And uh, it was cheap and it was good. And it was pre-AIDS, so nobody wore any fucking condoms and shit. So, but uh, you know, it, the, the, this uh, whole thing about how the you know the masseuses are not open for sex business, you know, that's this that's just a front. You know, these people are the fucking uh, Indonesia and Vietnam and these fucking places are the sex pervert capitals of the fucking world. This is where people go to have vacations that feature sex with a variety of people of color and ages. Lawrence Waterhouse the third pulled out all the stops and all the candles when he proposed to his girlfriend in the gazebo outside his suburban home in Chappaqua, New York. He had set it up very nicely, Chappaqua Fire Chief Andy Met said today. He had candles in the trees, candles and dogwood petals along the path, a chandelier with votive candles. The girlfriend apparently said yes to the romantic last night proposal, and the couple left town early today for a trip out west. Unfortunately, at least one of the candles apparently uh, stay lit. We got a call about 7.15 this morning. When I got there five minutes later, the gazebo was fully engulfed in flames, the chief said. Luckily, nothing else was burned. Mets tracked down Waterhouse at the New York airport, told him about the fire, but advised him to continue on with his trip. Nobody was hurt, so I told him to go ahead with his vacation, the chief said. He gave me his brother's number, and the brother told me about the proposal. The chief said the fire was a unique event, We've had candle fires, of course, but I can't remember one with this level of romance. <laughs> hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. The eagle don't fly Alabama sky. They've chained him to the ground. Colorado, Lord, don't want me. 
It's all right. I'll be found. You're on Jester Radio. Don't fuck with that dial. child to another day where they pass the flowers around turn my collar away from the chill of the San Francisco night turn my head back cross the water Lord everything is gonna be all right there might be war in the core of Baltimore a breakdown in, in LA they bring you down in the heart of Memphis town and people look the other way but if the lights burn cold in New York City it's sad but God it's true I got John and Mary, the Sanctuary, and Telegraph Avenue. Dion DiMucci on Jester Radio, the incredibly cryptic and fascinating and always stunning vocal and uh, style of uh, one of the greatest uh, living rock and roll artists. Uh, some say that the sanctuary he would refer to was um, the uh, treatment center that he went to in um, Brooklyn and I'm trying to th uh, or rather in the Bronx and it was one of the ones that we saw the v you, you would see the vans from all the time especially if you were in another drug program not Topic House but one of these other like Topic House um, in New York one of these big ass drug rehabs and he referred to that as um, 
the sanctuary. So maybe that song is a reference to the uh, his drug program days. And uh, there's always a reference there, you know, uh, to w- the I, something about uh, I turn my mind to the uh, uh, a day when we would pass the flowers around, and there's a lot of this reminiscent kind of tone to Dion's music about the times when he was singing with the uh, you know the Belmonts and on on uh, Belmont Street in Brooklyn. The you know great time in his life. You can imagine sixteen year old kid with a number one hit. You know. Hey, you've been listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Me, moi, why no one special? Just your old pal, the Jester. Coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. On behalf of Bob the Engineer, Dolly the Receptionist, and all those here at Jester Radio Studios, thank you so very much for stopping by and spending a little of your time with us today. It uh, certainly means a great deal to us. I can't even begin to tell you. Bob has asked me to remind you that uh, if you've missed any portion of this evening's show, it'll be recast at 2 a.m. and then uh, 2 p.m. following all times Eastern. And uh, we will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Eustace woke up, got out of bed. Pretty good day so far. Good night. See you tomorrow. Slept through the night, I got through to the dawn I flipped a switch and the light went on I got out of bed and I put some clothes on It was a pretty good day so far I turned the tap, there was cold, there was hot I put on my coat to go to the shop I stepped outside and I didn't get shot It was a pretty good day so far I didn't hear any sirens or explosions No mortars coming in from those heavy guns UN tanks I didn't see one It's a pretty good day so far No snipers in windows Taking a peek No people panicked Running scared through the streets I didn't see anybody Without arms, legs, or feet It's a pretty good day There was plasma bandages and electricity Food, wood, and water And the air was smoke-free No camera crews from our TV
a strange sight to behold Nobody was frightened, wounded, hungry or cold And the children seemed normal They didn't look old Pretty good day so far I walked through a park, you would not believe it There in the park, there were a few trees left And on some branches, there were a few leaves I slept through the night, I got through to the dawn I flipped a switch and the light went on I wrote down my dream I made it this song It was a pretty good day so far 